Let's make it happen, Andre! Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty that goes on and on longer than a party political conference. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. Send me a kiss by wire. Baby, my heart's on fire. If you refuse me, honey, you lose me. Then you'll be left alone. Oh, baby, telephone and tell me I'm your own. Ian Collins wants a word. post-Easter greetings one and all as we dust off the studio and fire up the gubbins for a brand spanking new episode of Once a Word. So hold on tight as we once again embark on that magical journey through the land of all things pod-related. I've got a dodgy feeling about this one, Kev. Very dodgy indeed. On the show, this. I feel I've gained the one quality that I think was lacking in my life. See, that's Omid Jalili, who's on our podcast. And this. I'm announcing it here first. Hold the front page. Blimey, it's only Arthur Smith and this. I do all the comedy clubs, so uh, they accept me, which is quite nice. Very excited about tonight's programme. That, by the way, the last clip you heard was comedian Mick Miller also on the pod. It's not all comedy, though, which is why we have this man with us. It's Sideshow Kev. (sighs) Did you eat a lot of Easter eggs? One, half-eaten. All the sweets had gone. It wasn't yeah. in a cardboard box or a wrapper. I actually found it on the street. I think a dog had pissed in it. Probably. Have you got some questions, Ken? It's questions and feedback via social media and stuff from Suez Shazam. Did you get any eggs over the Easter period? I got two dark chocolate and therefore, by definition, both tasted of shit. Ah. Where do you stand on dark chocolate? I don't stand on dark chocolate. It would crush under my giant feet. I would... Uh, di- chocolate digestives. Dark chocolate every time. Right. Easter eggs. Milk chocolate. Interesting. Like, you could, if you had a Bourneville Easter egg, you might as well write the word <laughs> on your forehead. Who would eat a Bourneville Easter egg? Can you get a Fry's Turkish Delight Easter egg, do you think? I've never seen one. Full of Eastern prom. You used to get those Fry's mint chocolate bars. I remember those. Yeah. Blue and red. Yeah. And red was the dark chocolate. Yeah. And uh, the other, the blue was obviously the milk chocolate. I don't mind the odd bit of dark chocolate. Well, then again, you see, an after eight is dark chocolate and very tasty. You don't look impressed by the after eight. You know what's interesting about after eight? You don't eights? like after eights? No, but after, right, after eights used to be this sort of... What are you, a matchmaker man? What's up with you? It used to be that um, after eights were like a symbol of excellence. It was a posh, minty thing that your grandparents might have had, that you had after a fine meal. You know, they were wafer thin, and they were just delicious. In much the same way... And only at Christmas, really. Yeah, well, at Christmas, or Easter, or whatever. In much the same way as a Toblerone used to be the symbol of, I've been to an airport on holiday and brought you back this expensive chocolate. Nowadays, after eights and Toblerone are a symbol that just says... I've been to Poundland. Well, that's the same as giant bags of sort of Revels and Maltesers. You know, one, once upon a time, these would have been treat-based. These only came out, you know, during special times. So but I don't think that after rates and Toblerone have changed. I think we've changed. No, that's what I'm saying. I think you're right, because you wouldn't have bought... Like, if you went to the sweet shop, you wouldn't have bought a massive family bag of Revels. No. People will do that now. And then folk wonder why there's an obesity issue. Greedy f***ing <laughs> chocolate bastards. <laughs> Kev, 
from Dermot. What do you guys do after each podcast? Straight home, food, beer, fight, inquiring minds want to know. All of the above. Yeah. In that order. Pretty much. Yeah. From Nikki Duda. I noticed on the episode just before Easter, you had Kevin Dutton on talking psychopaths. And on that episode, Sideshow Kev was very quiet during the interview. Is this because Kev is a psycho and he was out with his axe during the interview? That's exactly what it was. Well, if by axe you mean really cool guitar, then yes. Busking. But you did sort of leg it during the interview. Where did you go? I I worry I'm going to... Where were you between the hours off? I could tell you. I could tell you. I I worry I'm going to get sussed by him. You think so? Yes. As a psychopath? Uh, Not necessarily. Just, you know, sussed as being some sort of fraud or... It's like when people say, I've got a degree in psychology. It's like you go, oh, well, you're going to read my mind then. I well, think you are vaguely psychopathic. Do you? Yeah, I, I can so. give you what well, I can give you a test. This is one of Professor Kevin Dutton's tests as well. Okay, here it is. So a guy, a, a homeless guy of no fixed abode, mm. who knows no one, he's got no next of kin at all, walks into a hospital, and he's in the hospital getting some uh, treatment for I don't know, toenail problem or something. In another part of the hospital, there are four people who need life-saving transplants. Heart, lungs, kidney, liver. One of each. By a huge coincidence, the hobo has a perfect match of all of his relevant organs to the people requiring the transplant. Would you take the life of the homeless man, knowing that he has no family, he has no friends... Nobody would ever know in order to save the lives of the four others. I think I would, when faced with that decision, just stab him and eat his face. That'd work. From Pitlockery Joe, Nick, Jim P, Ray, Kim and Roland. What's the Mike Allen sausage story? Oh, you think I had time over Easter to check out the legalities of the Mike Allen? No. No. And no again. Not this week, Kev. From Darren. Sideshow Kev is right. Yes! I knew it! I knew it! I too have seen the quick-release train driver backpacks mentioned recently and wondered why a non-train-driving train driver would be in such a rush to get his bag off his back. This is from a couple of episodes ago. This is Darren who sent the photograph. I don't know who this is. This looks like a Darren who just is happy to be involved with me somehow. About train drivers wearing parachutes. Look! Parachute-style backpacks which they can take off quickly when they're in a hurry. And again, assuming that they sit down to drive the train without the backpack on, why does it have to be quick release? Because when they're not on the train doing their job, they're unlikely to just, like, save a passenger. How quick can a quick release backpack be? But why does it need to be so quick? This is what I don't understand. Presumably, if it was quick release, there would be two buttons somewhere to press, and it releases. Yeah, there's a couple of flaps. Yes. It's not a parachute in this thing. There might be. But how is that quicker than just taking it off? Completely. I think we should phone a train company. I think we have to. And find out. Any train drivers can tell us why you have a quick-release backpack, what is in the backpack, and under what circumstances might you be required to quick-release it, given that when you're driving the train, the chances are you are not wearing your backpack, but it's sitting in a handy spare seat next to you in the cabin, probably containing your flask and some nice tasty sandwiches. Porn. Blackpool Babs says, Hi boys. Is your live show coming to Blackpool? If so, why not come and do it at my drag club? Hey. 
You two would look well lush in mini skirts and high heels. Come on, you know you want to. That'd do be we? great. Yeah. It's Sideshow Kev. Or as he's known this evening, Dockyard Doris. <laughs> that would work a treat, wouldn't it? Never worn women's clothing. <laughs> no. You must have done as a joke. As a joke. Uh, no, no. girlfriends out, you think, you know no, what, I'm going to put some tights on. Here's, here's the thing, okay, because I won't do fancy dress, so I won't do any of that. You know, I love a charity day raising money uh, for, for all of that. But that whole thing of let's all get dressed up as schoolgirls, even though we're blokes, and hilarity will ensue. Uh, hilarity never ensues. I always find it sort of vaguely embarrassing to watch and look at and no, no, no. So if we do go to Blackpool with this live show you think we're planning... Merchandise soon available. Well, let's go to Babs's Drag Club and see what happens. Fine. Finally from Psycho Sid James. <laughs> oh, no, Danny. I'm looking for a girlfriend, but I'm a fashion disaster. Collins seems a trendsetter. Ah! Oh, yes. Any advice? Nice fitting suits. Let's assume that Sid has no money, then. So oh, no, you don't. Here's the thing. Obviously, you can pay whatever you like for a suit if you have one tailored to you. But you can go to the cheaper shops, get yourself a suit that kind of, sort of more or less fits, because uh, they're never always perfect in those kind of places. No. And the worst fashion faux pas is when the lapels of the suit are kind of down to your tits. <laughs> and that just looks all wrong or oversized. But you can get it altered just at your local dry cleaners, where really? you usually do. Usually there's a nice Turkish lady in the back that will do you a nice alteration. Is there? Yes, and uh, she will do that. Um, pull in a bit here and tuck up a bit there. And before you know it, you will go out and people will think, you got a stylish suit, and you can take out the TK Maxx logo if you want to. Right. So nobody will know that it cost you £1.50, and you probably could get a suit for £1.50. Could you? Because you can t- get cheap suits now in, like, supermarkets. TK Maxx, where for some reason the whole uh, behaviour of and psychology of a human British shopper changes from uh, behaving normally to, I think I'll just throw all these clothes on the floor. <laughs> I don't know when or how that happened. But amidst all of that, if people search hard enough, I've never done this, but a mate of mine bought a tasty leather jacket, sort of top-label leather jacket that was... It did that thing. It had about a foot-long label, and it said uh, 750 quid, crossed out, 650 quid, crossed out, 550, crossed out, 450, crossed out, 350, crossed out, 250, crossed out. They put it back to a grand. Thieving bastards. No, and it was something something like 40 quid in the end, this jacket. And so he was quids in, and I think you could probably do the same with a suit. And if you didn't think it quite fitted, get down to the alteration station and ask them to alter it. Why am I giving... What is this, the f***ing clothes show? Why am I giving fashion advice? You do. You want to do a fashion podcast. I think that's what it is, yes. Me and John Barrowman. (laughs) We'd be great. Yeah, well... Hi, Captain. Yeah, I miss man at CNA. Uh, if you've got any questions you want to throw to us, very simply, uh, send them to Kev, Kev at onceaword.com, or send them to me, Ian at onceaword.com. Ah. Oh, just before we get into that, don't forget, it's the Once a Word comedy safari <laughs> coming up later. What happened at the Chortle Awards? Yeah, Biggins was unavailable. Yeah. Really? So we got someone else. But even by saying that, I think we're setting people up for a huge disappointment. Well, without In the nicest possible way. Yes. Well, no, we've got some cracking guests on the uh, comedy safari. We do. Omar Jalil is on, Arthur Smith is on with us. Bit traditional with Mick Miller as well, he's on with us too. So uh, it's, it's a, a variety of comedic spice. Mick Miller always makes me think of Max Wall for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. That's on its way. However, this bit, by way of a sort of post-Easter change... We thought we'd go for the antithesis of what would normally appear in this slot, which is random acts of irrational annoyance, and bring back random acts 
of irrational satisfaction. That's very good. Things that make you go, ah. yeah, that. Have you got any of those? Because I've got a big list here from people who sent stuff in on Twitter. It's brilliant. I have. I've had a cold recently. Didn't enjoy it. I think lots of people are getting a cold. Yeah. And I'm not one to complain. I'm not going to say <laughs> man flu. It's a pain. I want to complain. You're crying like a <laughs> baby two weeks ago. Look. You're only strep souls. Only to you, because I know that you carry around a veritable pharmacy. In You're your the man that actually asked for a locket's Easter egg. Yeah. They're not very practical, though. You open it up and the honey just oozes out the bottom of it. But here is my first random act of irrational satisfaction, which is when you blow your nose and you get copious amounts of that sort of clear snot mm. and it takes up almost a whole tissue but it really cleans you out and I have to say that it's very satisfying when it does that but that means the cold's still there doesn't it it does but it doesn't yeah. matter because you have temporary relief from that while your cool. sinuses are aching the other one yep. is bagels mm. oh come on I have to part company with you yeah. on this. What do you actually eat? I, I know we do the Collins the food weirdo thing, but what do you actually eat? Do you I, eat anything? I, see, with bread, bread's it's it's a it's a funny monkey, isn't it? Your bread, because <laughs> you've got all manner of shenanigans happening in the dough department, and a bagel it can it can sort of be all right. It's oh. a bit cumbersome to be honest. Oh, it's good for you. It's so good for you your soul. It makes you feel good. It gives you a sense of satisfaction. You think so? That bit of cream cheese. Yeah. None of that salmon nonsense. I mean, ugh. Raw fish, raw. Wouldn't have raw antelope, would you? We're in agreement on one food thing, there. yeah. But a ba- bagels are just tremendous. Good breakfast, bagel, bit of cream cheese, cup of coffee sets you right up for the day. That, my friend, is satisfaction. And it makes you go, ah, yeah. Uh, here's a bunch. Uh, waking up thinking it's a work day and realising it isn't is always a beauty. Oh, that's, that's a, a nice lovely one. moment. That isn't it? Sunday morning, I've got to get. Oh no, it's not. It's Sunday. Get in there. Uh, pulling one of those cleaning wipes out of a packet and realising that you have, in fact, only grabbed one rather than the f***ing 20 that normally come out yeah, of the packet. That's pretty You good. almost want to write to the company and tell them about it. Did your, uh, did your butler tell you that one? Yeah, he did. Watching Macaulay Culkin look like Owen Jones set up his People's Assembly, mm-hmm. uh, which he was doing uh, a couple of weeks just before Easter. Uh, which made me laugh. I, uh, Owen Jones, the people... Who do you think he is? Chairman Mao. <laughs> what the f*** is happening with Owen Jones? It's a people's assembly. It's kind of like a subsect of the Labour Party or it's a, a pressure group within to pressure Labour. And it also makes me feel satisfied because it's also bad news for Ed Miliband because it will shame him into exposing that his policies aren't, in fact, that left-wing after all. And the other one is Matey Bubble Bath. You could still get Matey Bubble Bath. <laughs> Well, I know, I use it every day. Do you? Yeah. Sailor? Saucy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I can go from there, really. These are random acts of irrational satisfaction. Uh, Nick Day in Manchester was the first of many not to disappoint with king. We knew somebody would, uh, we thought we'd get that out of the way to start well with. Well done. Uh, Paula in Greenhigh. Think... Although, I am surprised he could take his hands away long enough to tweet that. He hasn't spelt it correctly. So. <laughs> Paula in Greenhigh says, thinking you've sent an email that you didn't want to send and then discovering it's still in your drafts folder. Yes. Nice moment when you think you've cranked one off and... No, that's back to the first. Back to the first yeah. one, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Nedge the Postman, getting to work and realising that it's a junk mail free day. Hashtag... Curvature of the spike. (laughs) 
Because sometimes you don't get any junk mail. And obviously when you get junk mail, that means every single house surely got the junk mail. Yeah. Presumably a postman's sack is... a Shut Back up. to the first one. It <laughs> is about 50 times bigger some days. <laughs> Again, back to the first one. Then Keep it digging. Is. Where's Sid James when you need him? Honestly, I don't know where to look. I do. <laughs> Andrew Francis. Uh, random acts of irrational satisfaction. New socks. Socks never feel quite as good as on their first use. If I were rich, <laughs> I would wear new socks every single day. Who is it that does... Is it Leonardo DiCaprio that wears new pants every day? Does he? Because you could apply the same criteria, really, to pants... First time you put a new pair of boxers on. It's a right old comfy affair, isn't are you, it? Are you strictly a boxers man? I always imagined you more in the sort of thong department. <laughs> yeah. All right, always. Yeah. Where possible, I thong it up. Do yes. you? Yeah. In yeah. fact, I just, I, don't, I just use an eye patch. <laughs> That's the same thing. This from Tony C. Having a piece standing up, knowing that my wife can't. Well, we know that's not the case, don't we? We do know that's not the case, because yeah. only... Because we've seen his wife having a bee standing up. No, <laughs> that's not what I mean. No, about three weeks ago, a couple of weeks before Easter, yeah. we were leaving this very studio, walking back to the tube station, and there was a woman standing up, having a pee against a wall. Yes. And her mate's trying to huddle around to hide her. It wasn't pleasant. I'm so drunk, I can barely see but it helps me get the another day. My stomach is filled with haggis and hat. I've got to go puking some hay. Hayden Broughton says, Just being able to live from week to week and still being in employment. This is satisfaction enough these days. Hashtag very tough times. Yeah, that's Thatcher's Britain for you. Correct. This on Twitter from Felicio del Toro, who says, Getting a lump of wax out me ear all. Oh. When you say a lump... Would you be an actual lump of wax? You'd have to be going in there pretty deep, wouldn't you? Well, ears are odd, though, aren't they? Have you seen uh, those Chinese earwax candles? I've heard about them. I don't know if we've mentioned them before. You Effectively, you put your head to one side, yeah. stick a candle in your ear and light it, and the wax drips down and goes in your ear, and then you pull it out, and all of the wax comes out with it. By the way, kids at home, don't go sticking lit things in your ear, because that's that's bad news. But maybe next week on the podcast... We should get some of these candles and try it with you. We'll see what happens, yeah. John Pilkington, when my wife doesn't put petrol in our diesel car, it's a very satisfying moment. I can imagine it probably is. You ever done the wrong fuel in car? Never had a diesel. Did it once. Really? Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. It's quite an expensive process to have it all taken out. Uh, yeah, I'd, I would, I'd be concerned. That's probably why I haven't had a diesel car. Colin says, Radamax of rational satisfaction, watering the garden with a can of lager in my other hand. Right, it? Back to the first one again. Isn't it? <laughs> I quite like that image. That's a very British sort of image, isn't it? You know, just hosing away at the old shrubs, the nice can in your hand. Yeah. And I love this one. Andy Wildman says, "My neighbour vacuums her back garden. <laughs> Satisfyingly mad. Does that count? It's funny to watch. <laughs> Crazy hoe. <laughs> That's a beautiful image." Uh, we'll bring that back again in a few weeks' time. It's a lot of fun. It's random acts of rational satisfaction. Uh, next week, uh, we're going back to some annoyances, I think. The Mitsubishi L200 comes with a 125,000-mile five-year warranty. In fact, if you bought an L200 today, it would last roughly five years longer than a politician's promise. For more info on the Mitsubishi L200, visit your local dealer. The Mitsubishi L200. No environment too tough. Sideshow Kevs. 
Showbiz Shoebox. I'm sorry to burden you with this. Post-Easter, first one back, but we still have Kev's Showbiz Shitty Shitty Shoebox. You say such nice things. All the moments of the last year we've had a chance to just ditch that sucker. Christmas, summer holidays, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, and now Easter. We come back, and what is lurking in the running order? Everything has its time, and everything must end. And one day this will end. I'm just not telling this, you when. The time was up for this last June. I enjoy, I enjoy seeing the look on your face every week. Okay, well, that let's... slightly pained expression, that crease between your eyebrows, yep. that just sort of says, uh, again. What do you got? It's Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. Weekly look at the box of showbiz fluff we find under the bed. Now then, this week we begin with an email from Malcolm Grease. Audrey! Give me some delightful music for Mr. Grease's non-greasy email. Hi, Silo Kek. I think much of what celebrities tweet on Twitter is so empty and on occasion poisonous that it's essentially the digital equivalent of farting in a lift to get attention. Can you prove my point? Well, Malcolm Grease, you're in luck because this week that's exactly what we're going to do. Audrey, give me some celebrity farty tweet music. Very simple, Ian Collins. Yeah. Instead of the classic question, who farted, we'll be asking, who tweeted? Just tell me who tweeted the tweet in question. Okay, yeah. Number one, who tweeted? I can't believe my grandmother's making me take out the garbage. I'm rich. <coughs> this, I'm going home. I don't need this sh- Is it A, the new Archbishop of Canterbury? <laughs> B, 50 Cent, or C, Paul Coyer? I'm going 50 Cent. Correct answer, hmm. but I think you know the Archbishop and Coya. It's it's a close. Well, it was thing. a close call. Yeah. To be fair, I mean Coya, or as he's known to his friends, Potty Mouth. <laughs> yes, could quite easily have said that. Number two, who tweeted? Doggy sex toys are now available. <laughs> Society is at a creative crossroads with its pets. Was it A. Slash B. A. Robertson or C. Teddy Pendergrass? Bang bang. I'm going for A, slash. Slash? Yep. Correct answer. A. Do you have it? Never mind. (laughs) Number three. (laughs) Who tweeted? A waitress just hit me, punched me for no reason. Was it A, Ernie, Joey's mate from Blue Peter, B, Renee and or Renato, or C, Lindsay Lohan? Lohan. It's got her mucky paw prints all over it. Number four. Who tweeted? Somebody approached me today and asked if I was that chick from the L word. Do you know the L word? Never seen it. It's an American show about Mm. lesbians. Who tweeted that? Was it A, Justin Bieber, B, Jonathan Cohen, noted playaway pianist, or C, Diddy, David Hamilton? Uh, That was Justin Bieber. Bieber? Bieber. I've got like four out of four. Can you make the last one harder? Number five, who tweeted? Do ants have dicks? Was it A, Professor Stephen Hawking, B, Courtney Kardashian, or C, Kendo Nagasaki? It was Courtney Kardashian. The actual answer is A, B, and C. They were all tweeting each other. And Hawking did the retweet on that one. Yeah, loves that, doesn't he? Uh, is there going to be one of these next week? By the way, I should show I you. Got five is this out of five. it? The last one. I got five out of five. So good time to finish it. I'd say. Well, I'll let's tell you just what, it, it, wrap it up there. It's been a good feature. Thank you for coming. Keep in touch. That was sideshow. Fair is fair. Okay. If you get yep. five out of five, three weeks in a row, I'll I'll call it quits. All right. I'll do something else. Let's see how we Or get. I'll go home. Still to come, 
It's the once word comedy safari. It is the once word comedy safari. Uh, this. That in my hand is. Um, I mean, this is shameful stuff. So we, we can we can <laughs> take this opportunity to, to, to sort of do our apologies and things. So that one I got in my hand is a uh, an invite to me and Kev yeah. to the Chortle Awards, uh, which is before Easter, uh, prestigious comedy awards, mm-hmm. all manner of comedic gods pitching up and honours bestowed upon them for their work within the world of comedy and writing. And uh, they said, you know, will you two come along? And um, we said, yes, we'd be delighted. Delighted. And then we f***ed <laughs> off on holiday. So <laughs> we didn't actually go. However, we are not this thoughtless when it comes to invites. So we thought, because obviously our new intern, yes, Sonia Wineglass, yes. we thought, what if we send Sonia down to the Chortles and she talks to the people, like, on our behalf? It was a risk. Yeah, but the minute she mentions once a word... They all run. <laughs> yes. Some of them are still running. Yeah. But we are going to hear from comedian Mick Miller. Now, Mick, of course, is, I was about to say, sort of slightly more of the traditional comedy, but he's one of those comedians that has never really looked any different. And I think he's sort of been embraced by kind of alternative comedy. If yes, you like. he so has. He yeah. finds himself doing the comedy store and stuff when, you know, 20 years ago he'd have been on Blackpool Pier. Yeah. Which is extraordinary. He probably still does that too. L- yeah, love, lovely. lovely. So we'll hear from him in a bit. Uh, also, uh, the, the fabulous Arthur Smith oh, is yeah. going to be on the podcast as well. I have a story about Arthur Smith. Oh, yeah. I was once in a pub called The Bathhouse. Do you remember The Bathhouse? Yeah. Dean Street, near, yep. near where we used to work. Not there anymore. No. And I was sitting in there waiting for someone and Arthur Smith walked up to me and said, excuse me, would you like a fiver? And I said, no, it's all right. And he turned to his mate and went, see? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If we'd known that story before we spoke with Arthur Smith, I know. that would have been fabulous. I've just remembered it. Uh, but first, uh, Sonia Wineglass, our intrepid intern. Uh, am I meant to say caught up with? You could say caught up with. Had a chimwag with. Omid Jalili. Uh, great comedian, great actor, Omid Jalili. Uh, initially wanted to find out a little bit about what's planned for Omid Jalili for 2013. So this is uh, live as it was then from the Chortle Awards. Omid Jalili. Yes, I'm doing um, my first West End run at the Leicester Square Theatre. After I did this ridiculous show, Splash, I, I feel I've gained the one quality that I think was lacking in my life, which was courage. Because to jump off the 10-metre board, I was, that's the one thing I never thought I'd ever do. And so the courage was to do a West End run. So I'm doing that. And then, after that, I'll be going to Edinburgh to do something else that I didn't think I'd ever do, was to play a role in uh, the Shawshank Redemption. I'm actually doing Morgan Freeman's role. I've not been blacking up. You'll be very happy to hear. <laughs> but, you know, as an actor, you think, what am I, what am I, what am I missing? Am I, yeah, gravitas. I want to get some gravitas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought I'd play the part of Red. So I'll be doing that. In Edinburgh, so my, that's that's all I'm going to do. When the was rest the last of t- time you were at Edinburgh? I haven't been to Edinburgh since 2008, I think, properly. So you must I was be looking forward to this. Yeah, I was there quietly in 2011, doing a kind of off the radar 11 nights somewhere, trying out new material. Uh, but I'll be doing a stand-up show there as well, and the Shawshank Redemption, which is very very exciting. It's the stage version. Uh, the film was from the short book by Stephen King, 
and what you see on the stage version is slightly different to the film. There's stuff in the, in the well, more hardcore actually. So it's a very exciting production. But again, in that same way of having mostly comedians do it when they had it with one few of the Cuckoo's Nest and, t- and Twelve Angry Men. This is the next one. So we're, we're we're starting. I know I'm playing Red. We don't know who else is playing who, but we're going to try and. Well, we'll just watch this space. I think it could be amazing. very exciting. Yes, amazing. the assembly room is musical. Tell you what, she's good. Is she? <laughs> well, I think so. She's not bad. And she didn't start because we also wanted to know like which, which comedians other comedians really like. Yes. Uh, and this is what Omid Jalili told us. Off stage, I would say possibly Michael Smiley, Dave Fulton, who are genuinely funny people. They, they make me laugh a lot, uh, just as people. I don't like their acts, but I think they, as people, are some of the funniest people. Oh, but as far as acts, uh, oh, I'm a big, big, big fan of Bill Bailey's. Uh, I like Eddie Izzard. I have to say, some of the American guys I've seen recently, Louis C.K., Jerry Seinfeld, all those people, Sarah Silverman I saw recently, who I thought was outstanding. So they make me, all the good guys make me laugh. I think that'll come back after the last one was a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? It wasn't, I was there for that one. It wasn't a shambles, it was just very short. And I think people didn't expect the evening to be finished at two minutes to nine. I think that was the, <laughs> that was the one there. You, you actually saw British people saying, we, will, we refuse to leave until she comes back and does a half an hour encore. I was, it was actually very, I was very proud to be part of that audience because they, they made it, it was a sit-in. It was a student sit-in. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> I think a little ripple. Omid Jalili with us on. But then uh, Sonia Wineglass decided to go off uh, and for us, for once a word, Yes, because we couldn't be bothered to show up to the awards. Oh, we were on holiday. We would have been there otherwise. We would have been there otherwise, yeah. And I had a chat to uh, Fabulous Arthur Smith he is part of the fabric of everything that is British comedy, I think you could uh, reasonably say. And, of course, she wanted to find out what kind of 2013 Arthur Smith is planning to have. Well, I hope to live to the end of it. That's my principal aim. Uh, but I'm, I'm doing Arthur Smith Sings Leonard Cohen, Volume 2, uh, at the Edinburgh Festival. I'm announcing it here first. Hold the front page. Uh, and I'm, uh, no, I'm, I'm also working as a, an international male escort. How's that working out for you? Not that good, you know. No, what no, I do no. is I, I hang around wearing my suit in hotels in the West End of London in the, in the lobby. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm aiming for. But waiting for older lady, well, any lady <laughs> to come up. Well, I suppose man, I shouldn't, you know, given how poor my record is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, police horse. I would, and I wait there for them to come and approach me, and then I say, well, I'll charge you. I don't know, how much should I charge? No, I'm not, I'm not a fan with that world, but... Like, uh, in a swanky hotel... Depends what you're offering. Maybe I'd be, do better if I went down to Travel Lodge and charge less. <laughs> so you got to like Arthur. You can't not like a bit of Arthur Smith. He tries to give you money. He tries to give you money. Well, yeah. me, at least. Somebody he probably wouldn't give money to is another fellow comedian that he kind of fell out with, ish, uh, when he was on a radio show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Run the tape, Andre. I mean, I think there's some material that I find, you know, that I don't like, I have to say. You know, well, for example, you know, there was this old thing where I was on a radio program and, uh, what's his name? Um, what's his sort of name? You know, uh, Jimmy Carr. Yeah. Said, uh, did a uh, gag about, uh, apparently... Um, Gypsy moths uh, can smell each other from seven miles away 
and it's the same if you take away the word moths or something. And anyway, I don't know, I got a bit wound up about that. They do it deliberately to wind people up, so it's probably your best response is not to be wound up and just not go and see them. Well, you know, you have to bear in mind that, you know, I started being a comedian in the early 80s when it was, there was a whole reaction against the previous generation of comic students. Part of their staple was racism and sexism and homophobia and and we were a reaction against that. Um, So there was almost a kind of, you know, what you... You know, there was a sort of understanding about what you wouldn't say. Like the word, quack, quack, oops. Uh, you know, back then, you would, by, at that point, you wouldn't use the word unless you were describing female genitalia. You wouldn't use it in a full book. You certainly wouldn't use it like... You wouldn't use it to describe the female genitalia. It's usually about yeah. interrogatory, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Well, that, exactly. So, yeah, we'd stop using that word. But I notice that's back now, you know. But, I mean, looking back at it, maybe I was a bit prissy. And I, I, you know, there are more important things in the world to worry about than someone's made a, a slightly off-colour joke. And, you know, it's part of having a, freedom, a degree of freedom that you can make... You believe that that other people can make jokes. I might disapprove of them, but, I, you know, I you defend their right to say them. You have that freedom, do you? Yeah. And if people don't like it, then... Tough. In a way, yeah, but then I have myself been one of the people who doesn't like it, so, you know. Uh, but I, I've become less judgmental as I grow older, actually. It's Arthur Smith on our Marcus. podcast. Okay. Arthur Smith. And uh, while Sonia was out and about, because uh, we said, look, if you're going to speak to some comedians, try and get a variety of, and uh, Mick Miller was, I think Mick was one of the original comedians. Yes. From possibly the later series, but I'm sure he probably appeared on that. I'm almost certain he did. Yeah, and he w- was there as well because he's sort of been, as I was saying before, taken into the, the fold, really. So a, a guy that was once, if you like, steeped in tradition. And despite that kind of tradition, he's sort of been uh, embraced, if you like, by uh, more contemporary comedy, which is lovely. In fact, Sonia Wineglass, our reporter, asked him what he thought of some of the UK's newest comedians. Well, I, yeah, but I, I do them all, you see. I, I, do, um, I do all the comedy clubs, so uh, they accept me, which is quite nice. And what do you think the future is for top comedy clubs now? Because I've heard they're kind of dying a bit of a death, but... I don't know. I th- I th- no, I think the, you know, the comedy stores will always go. You know, comedy store in London, comedy store in Manchester, Frog and Bucket Manchester... Um, and then there's all the little ones round London, you know. I think people, it's a good night, aren't it, for 15 quid? Exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? You might, you know, you might not like everybody that you see, but you're going to see at least well, three the, people that you do like. And, and that's it, and you get uh, have a little nice drink and um, and then watch them on the box. That's the good thing, yeah, exactly. you know, because they all come up through the, the ranks. And uh, I was just been talking to Joe, Joe Brand, and... She still does the little clubs, you know what I mean? When, when they, you know, they want to try a little bit of an act out, they go back to the roots, which is a great thing. You know. See, he's a lovely fella. You can't not like at Mick Miller. A nice bloke. Yeah. Unless you're Frankie Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> because she then asked him uh, about the kind of stuff that is a bit more taboo uh, in comedy. And I think, uh, well, Frankie Boyle will be fascinated to know who Mick Miller aligns him with mm. Bernard Manning was the first I thought and then obviously now uh, Frankie Boyle you know he's taken on the mantle um, is there anything that you think is particularly taboo that you well, shouldn't I, talk I, about yeah yeah I, I think um, 
people's disabilities, uh, race. Um, I just talk about myself, basically. I take the mickey out myself, so that gives me, you know, with a bald head, you've got to take the mickey out yourself, aren't <laughs> you? And it started, you know, it started, first of all, it was um, Matt Lucas with the guy in the wheelchair. Oh, no, I want that one. Well, I'm a scouser, so it's my voice as well. So that I was tired with that brush. <laughs> then it was um, recently Ricky Gervais, Derek, mm-hmm. and, of course, Carl Pilkington, his mate, idiot abroad, he put in a, a Mick Miller wig, basically. <laughs> so, like, when I'm walking down the street, I either get that or, you know, the wheelchair or Derek, you know, that, or now I, I seem to get... Hulk Hogan's let himself go. <laughs> there he is, baldy comedian Mick Miller. Mick Miller, well, stop here! Oh, they want a word, comedy safari. Very happy about that. That was all right. Yeah, I think we should send Sonia out more often. Maybe we will, and we just go on holiday. Sonia Wineglass wants a word. Sounds good to me. Credit stream. And there you go. It's another one in the bag. We are, of course, back with a shiny new episode next week. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do and want to help support this podcast, make sure you get over to iTunes to rate, review, and, of course, subscribe. Android users can try us on the free Stitcher app or download for free at stitcher.com slash once a word. Thanks to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter, as can we, at Ian Collins UK. The in-show feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod, his website in computech.com. The show's technical operator is Andre Porch. The programme edited by Joe Marshall. Our researchers were Peter Duncan and Simon Groom. And today's chunky fact comes courtesy of Dozy Dave in Swansea, who tells me that a quarter of all women over the age of 35 have never had sex, but only 10% of men. The same study also found that men in the South were less fertile than Northerners. Clearly, they've never been to Bromley. No one struggles to breed in Bromley. Oh, and as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We're back next week with a mystery guest, or so they tell me. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. Big Things! Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty, that's longer than an MP's expenses claim. <laughs> yes. I've seen this on all day on Twitter. It didn't really make me laugh at the time, but reading it now it is. <laughs> it's not even funny. Uh, this from Fellatio del Toro. <laughs> hey! I'll do that again. <laughs>